Hey guys, it's MMA by Melican. I hope you guys are staying safe, staying positive, and staying vigilant. So today on tap is, okay, so it's episode eight, and it's broken down into three sections, okay? So it's the UFC Fight Night Jacksonville Part 1, as people are calling it, review, breakdown, recap, okay? Next up will be UFC Fight Night coming up, which is UFC, technically is UFC Fight Night 176, so it's 175 and 176 for Overeem versus Walt Harris, and of course the co-main being my girl, everyone's girl, Angela Hill versus Claudia, Claudia Gedalia. So yeah, hopefully that one in particular won't disappoint. So today, just, uh, you know, just kind of bear with me. I have some patience. So I was going to do another episode. Just a short little, it's supposed to be a short little snippet. You know, I try to keep everything within 20 minute intervals. This was going over constantly. And it was basically the whole Glover, Teixeira, Anthony Smith match. That whole kind of crazy this about you know my thoughts on the situation I was going to add it I didn't I do mention it on the episode so disregard that I'm not going to add that into this pretty much look as far as I'm concerned it should have been a doctor stoppage when Anthony Smith's eyes were examined, that should have been a telltale sign to end the match. The doctor should have ended the match, but who knows what doctors are down there right now? It's not it's not the UFC's normal doctors. So I don't know what we're going to get going forward. But if I was going to blame anyone, I would blame the doctors. The referee is taking the blame for the no stoppage. To me, it's not entirely his fault. Anthony is a grown man. Sure, his corner could have stepped in and saved him, but to me, it should have been a doctor stoppage. Same with the Thomas Gifford fight, same with the, all the other fights. Any fight, it should be a doctor stoppage. So, that's my thoughts on that. But yeah, other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. But before, as always, before we get into the, to today's episode, let's hear from today's sponsor. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 8. Whew. Episode 8. Okay, so yeah, this one, uh, I just, I, what I did was a separate kind of uh, slot for um, the discussion about the stoppage for Anthony Smith versus uh, Glover Teixeira. Uh so my what how I feel about that I did separately that was a you know I want to expand on that so I did that separately this is a straight breakdown uh, recap 
of UFC. What technique, I mean, is UFC Jacksonville part one. Uh, UFC Jacksonville 171, but we're just going to call it. Well, 175. Sorry, I, did I say 171 before? I think I said 171 before. I apologize for that. You'll see Fight Night 175, technically, but we're just calling it Jacksonville Part 1. So, UFC Jacksonville Part 1. We have, uh, I feel bad for Ike Venanueva, but Chase uh, Chase came in and, you know, did his thing. Did his thing. Wow. I hope Gabriel Benitez is all right. Yikes. Man, that was harsh. That is lightweight. Lightweight battle, as you guys know. Keep your eyes. See, fights like this, and this is why it, I always watch the prelims. These guys would probably headline anyway. But this is why I always watch the prelims because it's, everyone just concentrates on ranked fighters. And I think a lot of it isn't us hardcores. It's other people who pretend to be hardcores, but they're not. Truly. Uh, very important because... These are good fighters who aren't ranked. But next thing you know, they're at number 15 and then they're at number 12. And then you all of a sudden you're like, wait, where did they come from? Well, there you go. This is where they come because they get in there and they, they smash their opponent. And wow, underdog. Underdog right there, man. Wow. Brian Keller went in there and did his thing. Did his thing. I mean, who? And that's featherweight. Now, again, I'm not sure how far Brian can, you know, continue up the ladder. But kudos to him for doing his thing. I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with this event. Like I said, I, I don't have high expectations. To me, no one should. This is a whole different, I mean, this is just such a unique unique situation that we have going on right here. Uh, the Just touching on, like the Teixeira-Anthony Smith fight, you see this young man, this young stud, really having cardio problems. That's where it really started falling apart. I actually expected everyone to have the cardio problems. As I, as I mentioned multiple times, you know, that I, that's what I'm looking at. You know, hopefully we get good fights in the process, but that's what I'm looking at. And kudos to them. Speaking of someone who <laughs> cardio problems, congratulations to Shajara, Sarge, Hugh Banks, who, uh, yeah, you know, people talk about, talk smack about my cardio problems because you have cardio problems. Good grief. Like, no, 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 no. Don't. You fix the problem. Don't don't sit up there. You got talk about car. You have cardio problems. Good grief, fix it. Good gravy. But hey, she did her thing. I'm not. Uh, you know, she didn't do bad. But man, Sarah Moses, her God, her like her stance is horrible. She when this quarantine is over. I, I hope she, you know, I, I truly hope she goes, gets, she needs a lot of, she needs a lot of help. She needs some more time. 
she needs some classic Muay Thai. Get a, some kind of stance of some kind. Boxer Muay Thai. Now, I know a lot, a lot of fighters who are good mix it up. She needs a lot of structure. She needs a lot of training. Her stance, the gesturing back and forth. She kind of reminded me of Keith Jardine. Not the same amount of juking as he would do. But, yeah, just her eyeball stance. It was... I'm surprised she didn't get knocked out. But, yes, Sajara... Uh, so, in this case, usually... I don't know, the cut, the weight cut can have different effects on a lot of fighters, on people in general. You know, sometimes a lighter weight, much faster. But then when you come in at the weight that you're normally on, we saw that with a lot of fighters where it's like, look, can I, I'll take the fight at a heavier weight instead of having to cut weight. And it's been working out for a lot of these fighters, whether they're underdogs or the favorites. So, you know, that's that's been working. You know, can't knock that at all. I'm just not sure about Eubanks being at bantamweight, but Marez is, you know, at five foot seven, that's pretty much the average for flyweight and bantamweight. Nunez is five foot eight, Holmes five foot eight. So and she didn't do too badly. I mean, height isn't always a big deal, but to me, you know, it can be an issue. It could be an issue. Uh but I think that Eubanks still needs to get a cardio together and then that will help her get what style she's going to utilize in there. She's already a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So her wrestling, I think being a little shorter and more compact, we see that with Andrade, it helps a lot. But Andrade did move down from bantamweight to straw weight. So she still has that bantamweight power that she does use effectively. So I'm not sure if the same will hold true for Eubanks. Because the bigger women like a Nunez will probably more than likely still be stronger. So I'm not sure about that, but kudos to her. Yeah, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another underdog comes through another un underdog comes through i mean you know i did <laughs> yeah and, and this is a bad take you know he's like yeah he's the worst hype train and all this kind of jazz man he knocked out he he stopped tony ferguson remember that everyone keeps throwing up every five times michael johnson's name comes up that's nothing to sneeze at man now of course you know that was at a you know, earlier time frame, every fighters can evolve and learn from their experiences and become more dangerous, which is what Ferguson did. But still, you know, it's like that to me, that's not something that you just all of a sudden, you know, ignore, you know, I mean, like, yeah, to me, he's not a hype, he's not a hype train at all. He's not a hype train that was derailed. He's not a hype train that he's not a hype train. That's why I think I should say he's he's not a hype train. The man uh, was successful. Period. Like it to me, a hype train is someone who you know four or five fights. Uh, Macy Barber, for instance, when I did take out two fighters in particular who were good, but they were grapplers, not strikers. So it's like to hype up her striking game was wrong. You know, so it, to me, that's that's a hype train. She was a hype train. She had noticeable flaws. 
she was, uh, to me, she was a hype train. You know what I mean? But speaking of a man who is certainly not a hype train, former UFC heavyweight champion, Andre Alaski, another underdog coming in there and really, truly doing his thing. I mean, wow. Do, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. He was, as DC pointed out, just different fighter, made adjustments, you know, had a plan going in, and he talked about that, did his homework. Very, you know, very impressive. Very impressive indeed. Impressive run for the old man there. Uh, and, of course, the situation with... Uh, Vittori, uh, I haven't got any information yet. I hope that someone maybe steps in. But <laughs> when you're dangerous, not too many people are going to volunteer. And this is last minute. And this situation is just tough because you're not going to have too many volunteers. But I, from what I understand, some individuals did say that they were willing to step up against them. But that's just what I heard. Just a bunch of rumors. Don't know what's accurate or not. Ricky Simone versus Ray Borg. Man, that fight turned out way better than I thought it would. What a good fight. That was good stuff. Didn't actually go the way that I thought. I kind of thought that Ricky would light Borg up on the feet more. But, uh, man, did his thing, man. That. Ooh, that's, see, that's a perfect example of why it's so important just to be an all-around fighter. Wow, Drew Dober, who <laughs> it seems like the entire planet, anyone who watches MMA, it's like the entire, it sounds like a handful of people. Like, yeah, we, we got some Alexander Hernandez fans here, right? Right? No? Yeah? Yeah? No? Uh, you know... I don't I don't hate Alexander the way that a lot of other people I just he's one of those people I just flagged. You know, just whatever, man. He say something and I'm just whatever, man. I don't, I don't. And when Cowboy dismissed him, it was just like, yeah, man, cuz you don't know what you're doing. You know, you're not you, you go against guess young up and comers, but not anyone with experience. It's like true true experience. Get out of here with that. But you another favorite came through. I hope everyone is happy and having a good day. I mean, MMA gods, for those who wanted it, you got blessed. Now, up next up was, of course, a fight that I was concerned with. You know, I was concerned with all the heavyweights, that cardio, man. I'm always concerned with any heavyweight at any time, anywhere, but especially during these circumstances. We're talking about fights at the last minute, short notice fights, heavyweight and in some situations like this, in a different weight class to prevent a weight cut, which, as we've seen in, during this event, worked out for some fighters. Not so much for Ovens. No surprise there. He gets tired and he's doing the jog throughout. I mean, he he got he has to stop. He has to stop, take six, seven months off, reevaluate. He has to reevaluate. I, I don't see, I could see him staying at heavyweight. Again, look at Francis Nagano and those workout videos. So impressive for heavyweight. Just don't see that. His videos are, are a lot 
not as intense or as insane as you know Ferguson. His, most of his videos, he just seemed like he's doing something crazy. But like uh, Magnum, for instance, you know her insane workout videos, Nagano's workout videos are intense. The man is like he looks like he's chiseled from granite. Heavyweights, that's the one division where you can put on as long as you're under two six two sixty five. That's a big person. You know, I can see six foot seven, you know, a six foot eight individual. It's like, gee, they're cutting weight no matter what. But, you know, six foot three, six four, come on now. Hit the weights. That's the one division where you can put on a ton of muscle. Now, of course, the problem with muscle is that can lead to cardio issues also. But it, something, he, especially Ovens, he's already a big dude. You know, he's already a big dude, slimming it down, 220, 220, 225, 230, speed. Again, learn from Cain Velasquez. That was the one thing I always liked about Cain Velasquez is that his hand speed, his boxing, because he wasn't excess, you know, crazy with the weight. He was always kind of on the smaller side for a heavyweight. To me, that helped him more. Because he had the hand speed. That's how I knew he would be Brock. Everyone was talking about size and power of Brock. And I'm like, no, the speed. He won't be able to counter the speed, which is what happened. He had, he doesn't have jujitsu. He has wrestling, but not the jujitsu. So he'll get end up eventually getting in trouble. He got in trouble with Frank Mir. So it's not like he won't get in trouble with a Cain Velasquez on the ground. The problem is his speed. He won't be able to counter because the punches will be coming at him too fast. He won't know what to do. You know, so, yeah, uh, just work out, you know, work out, hit the weights, you know, get that power cardio anyway. Yeah. And, uh, discussed the Smith versus the fight and, you know, he, a, a huge update upset for, we have second time. There's a second fight in this series of crazy events. And another headline, another main event, we have a upset. You know, I advise people to put some change on the side for the underdogs. And I know, look, trust me, I know. It's like, look, man, I'm only working with a certain amount of budget, trying to get the most out of money. So I only want to bet a certain amount of people or want to stick to the favorites. And then, but the problem is you're doing a parlay for the favorites. Maybe just do a line. With the favorites, some in some cases there are some underdogs where like you have to consider those underdogs, but but then put separate money to the side. You can't go into betting. Let them say you know if I say don't go into betting uh, being cheap, they'll say well look man I put thousands of dollars on that one fighter. It's like okay that's good that you got the money. Diversify that, okay, cut that down. Because you're trying to make the most out of the smallest amount of money, not a big chunk of change. You know, so yeah, you can diversify that. That way you end up, at least at the bare minimum, breaking even. And that's what I loved about putting money on the underdogs. And, you know, if you got like $1,000, for instance, you can do 50 for each, for all, you know, especially in this situation that we're getting... Less fights. We're not getting 12 as we usually do. We're getting 11 for the most part. Nine times out of 10, the next event will probably end up being 11 fighters, not 12. 
yeah, go ahead and put you know some money to the side for something. You just never know. And I was asked whether or not to put money on Ray Borg, for instance, and I was like a little bit. Really favored Ricky as soon as the fight was announced. Which speaking of Ricky, I am very disappointed. Very disappointed. I want the mullet. I usually hate mullets. Usually can't stand them. Mullet. Where's his mullet at? He was the exception to the rule. I'm I, I'm I'm glad DC spoke on it. Like, yeah, man, let's the same you're not the same person. He's like, Yeah, my wife and man, I'm like, No. <laughs> you know, any other time I'm like, Yeah, man, you need to get a haircut, you need to shave. Come on, you got a family, you got a wife, you or you trying to get a family and a wife and girlfriend or whatever. Sure, a lot of these individuals, you need to shave, you need to get a haircut, you need to do something. But not him. Not him. You know, I I, I missed the mullet. But, yeah, that's it for the recap. Uh, you know, I said my piece about the non-stoppage for the main event. But, yeah, uh, definitely want to get into the next for UFC. Fight. No, wait, what did I say? No, this is UFC Fight Night Part 1. Now I'm about to get into UFC Fight Night Part 2. It's like all these fights. I'm like, wow, what the hell? All right, yeah, getting into that. Stay tuned. Okay, so I'm trying to keep... The good thing, I'm late. I'm running behind with this update for... Well, breakdown for UFC Fight Night 176, which is pretty much just UFC Jacksonville Part 2. Okay. The good thing about being late is I'm able to get some up-to-the-minute news on this. Now, Dantel Mays originally was a minus 135, and then Rodrigo was, beginning of the week, a plus 105, but now the numbers have moved to place Rodrigo closer, which he should be. He should be. I, I didn't understand why Dantel was listed as a clear favorite in this matchup. Listen, um, I'm the last person to call fighters tomatoes and cans. But uh, I really don't like doing that. I really don't like saying it, writing it, posting it at all. Because, look, if you say it to their face, right? But Dante and his earlier fights, yeah, y'all have not seen a tomato in the can, okay? Y'all have not seen that, okay? These guys were, they looked like they literally were, you know, I'm not going to criticize them too harshly. But, but, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, you have to, you have to have had that. And I mean, we saw what happened when he come, went up against a good up and comer in serial gain, but, uh, yeah, he's seven and three, 81.5 inch reach, six foot six coming off. As I mentioned, lost to serial gain. At UFC on ESPN, 20, 28 years old, one loss by uh, legal elbows, two victories via strikes, one via left cross, one utilizing ground and pound, two losses via decision, one loss via ground and pound, four and one in his last five, beat Ricardo Purcell on the Contender Series, which we're seeing a lot of individuals from the Contender Series come to these events. So Rodrigo Nascimento, 
like I said, he still is an underdog at minus 110. I would still avoid this fight. This might actually be, you know how I feel about the heavyweights, man. They, they come in, they have cardio issues, especially a Dantel. Uh, oh, my goodness. Pretty much got to get it done in the first round. I expect that Rodrigo will adjust. Six foot three, 27 years old, 7 and 0. His last victory was also on the Contender Series. 2010 against Michael Martinek. 8.0, 80-inch reach advantage, or 80-inch reach, not an advantage in this fight. Dantel will have just a slight reach, plus the height. There's a height difference, so, but I just, if Rodrigo can get out of getting, you know, it's going to be a slugfest. It's probably going to be real sloppy. I can see Dantel he has a slight favor. I can see him getting a stoppage early on, but I think once it goes past that first round, if it goes past that first round, Rodrigo can win. He can win this fight. He can certainly win this fight. Now, originally I saw Mickey Gall versus Philip Rowe scheduled on this card. Thankfully, that's not on here, but I would have loved to have been, I would love to, if I was betting, bet against that dude, seriously. So apparently in terms of the order, it's Courtney Casey versus Myra Romero Barella next that will be coming up next. And then Darren Elkins versus Nate Landwer will follow. So that's the order that looks like it is on ESPN. Now Courtney, uh, she came in at the weight limit of 126. Still not sure if she'll proceed. She didn't look all that great on at the weigh-ins. We'll see a lot of people, and it's interesting because a lot of people favor uh, Barella in this matchup. I mean, she does have, she is a black belt in kickboxing and sh shoot boxing, and she has a blue belt in both judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. A lot of advantages there. And Courtney has a problem with decisions. You know, she was only subbed once by Pearl Gonzalez at XFC 26, Night of Champions 3. Every other loss came by decision because she's just kind of stiff. You know, um, Barella will have to work, look out for the strikes. But for the most part, I could see her just leg kicking the hell out of Courtney Casey and if not getting the finish on the ground, if it went there, which I doubt. And again, the judo, you know, uh, Courtney is a big girl, you know, five foot seven. She was huge for a straw weight. She's still going to be have a slight size advantage here. But I could see uh, Barella utilizing that judo, getting her on Casey on the ground, maybe just with a sweep, not kind of muscling her, but just getting a sweep, a clinch and get the sweep going on, going, especially if Casey isn't I don't get it I don't you know it's I think she's still five foot seven she's still kind of a big girl so maybe she's still she's cutting down from bantam weight who knows but uh Barella 12 and 7 three wins via strikes four subs five decisions four losses via strikes one sub two decisions two decisions coming off of a two-fight losing streak two and three in the last five two and three in the UFC so, you know, this could be, you know, again, it depends on what condition both women are in, but especially Casey. 
to determine how this fight will go. I would assume it would be much like the Waterson and Esparza fight, where they would try to be avoid the strengths of the other fighter, but still trying to pick their spots. Barella, yeah, so she is clear to fight because as far as Yushada is concerned, her situation where she was basically sentenced to like 26 years in prison, that was in Italy and it was for distributing of the distribution of narcotics. We was included in that. But because she herself wasn't taking these substances and had never tested positive for them, she was cleared to fight. So, yeah, not sure how that her legal situation will continue, especially with it being a pandemic. And Italy got hit hard. So, yeah, that's wild. <laughs> that is wild. Not sure how long she'll be fighting. but um, And the numbers changed. Uh, Courtney is a minus 150. Uh, Myra is a plus 120. I'm leaning towards the underdog in that matchup we have darren elkins he is coming in at minus 120 nick landwer as a minus 110 at featherweight so yeah i'm not sure what's going on with casey but that was flyweight bout she's i'm sure she was cutting down to get the straw weight obviously but i would think that fly would still be a little bit more comfortable for her but we've seen veronica macedo she ended up in bantamweight. And 547, I can see her being, you know, a 135er who was cutting all the way down the strawweight, trying to pull what, trying to do with what Jessica Andrade has been successful at doing, which was cutting from bantamweight. So, yeah, Darren Elkins, the damage, 510, 71-inch reach, 35 years old, 24-8, and eight, on a three-loss losing streak, defeated Michael Johnson via an RNC two and three in his last five. And it's funny, you know, like people keep, you know, you bring up Michael Johnson. It's like, hey, by the way, did you know he beat Tony Ferguson? <laughs> so here I am. Yeah. By the way, did you know Michael Johnson got beat? And, you know, like which isn't a big deal now. I know two and three in his last five, fourteen and seven in the UFC. Fought Charles Oliveira, Alexander Volkanovski. Eight victories via strikes, four subs, two decisions, four losses via decision, one sub loss, two via strikes, brown belt and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Last I heard, he was out of alpha male. And, of course, in former NCAA wrestler. So, yeah, uh, Nate has, you know, he he has uh yeah I mean Nate will probably you know do well in this I mean thirty five for Darren um well he's been through the trenches so and, and you know he always has the ground game to rely on so I think that um I favor Darren in this matchup so Giga. Takatse. Now, last, I'm still trying to wait on information for him because apparently he him he's also, Mike Davis is out. 
Giga, who is a plus 170 underdog in this matchup against Mike Davis, apparently he is still getting clear. So not sure if that fight will continue. Well, he will continue. He, because Mike Davis is out, the fill-in was Irvin Riviera, the beast. Uh, who was making? Who would be making his UFC debut? Nine four, thirty-one years old, five foot six. Uh, last I heard, he was with the Black, Black Zillions, three-fight win streak currently, out of Titan FC. Four and one his last five, making his UFC debut. Three decisions, five finishes via strikes, one sub, two losses via decision. So, um, right now that's that is what I have. For those two, uh, I think that was if they could fight. I favor Giga. I favor Giga in Giga <laughs> in his matchup against Mike Davis. I just think that you know, 38 and 5, 22 KOs from kickboxing uh, didn't do too bad, uh, and MMA as well. Yeah, I just favor him. You know, four fight, one streak. Four and one his last five, two and zero in the UFC. I just think that Giga would uh, get it done. That was against Mike Davis. I think Ike would probably be a better or Irvin. I'm sorry, Irvin Riviera would be a better matchup for him. We'll see more of a lights out affair. Should be a good fight. May in fact be fight night if it still takes place but of course we have Anthony Hernandez coming up next versus Kevin Howland they are dead even in terms of their numbers as far as uh, the betting ratio goes Anthony is 7 and 1 Kevin is 16 and 5 Kevin is 27 years old born the same week as Moa this indeed fellow Scorpio out of Riverside, California, six foot three, eighty-one inch reach, brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, seven finishes via strike, six subs, five decisions, two losses via sub, three by decision, coming off a loss to Brendan Allen last October, three and two in his last five, four and two in the UFC. Another fighter out of Dana White's contender series. He is the former extreme knockout welterweight. And middleweight champion Hernandez, 26 years old, six foot tall, 75 inch reach is what I have. Five submission victories coming into a victory against Young John Young Park via Anaconda Choke in the second round. Three one and one no contest versus Jordan Wright and one one. One, one, and one in the UFC. That is a tough one. Should be a good fight. I would assume that we... A lot of striking and then later rounds. Uh, Kevin, I suspect, will start going for some single legs up in there. Trying to take it down to the ground. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Might end up being a grappling match right there. I kind of favor Mr. Hernandez in that matchup. Next up, we have Miguel Bieza versus Matt 
the immortal Brown. When I'm saying all the old timers, boy, whew. It's like it's like it's uh, uh <laughs> it's like what is this 2010? Oh boy, I tell you. Uh, but yeah, Miguel is eight and zero so far at welterweight. Uh, this will be a welterweight matchup, rather. Uh, Matt is the plus one fifty underdog. Miguel one eighty minus one eighty. Matt twenty four and sixteen. Man has been a staple of the UFC for some time now. Uh, Thirty nine years old from Portland, Maine. Six foot tall, brown belt in judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Thirty eight total fights. 26, 22 and sixteen. Fourteen victories via strikes. Six subs. Two decisions. Only one loss via KO. Head kick from Donald Cerrone. And of course, there was he got picked apart by Jake Ellenberger at UFC 201, 2 and 3 in his last 5, 15 and 10 in the UFC. And of course, uh Miguel coming off of a win at Dana White's Contender Series and UFC on ESPN 19, seven finishes via strikes and of course the one decision against Victor Reyna. So yeah, Carmel Thunder. That is horrible. That is the most god awful nickname. Good grief. That is that is terrible. Okay, so uh, I can see Matt Brown kind of getting that one done, but I favor the young man in this matchup. I think he should be able to pick again, I said that before, right? He should be able to pick him apart and we see his old timers coming through. So as always put some change on the underdogs just in case you just never know when they're actually true underdogs one is a minus one you know when you got numbers like a you know, one is like a minus 120 minus 110 eh, try to get your parlay in there sure but yeah I, I don't do that you know when, when it's an official underdog pick where you can get some money off of it some true money off of it like a plus 150 and get the parlay in there cool uh matt brown listen he could get a sub in this and you know got those elbows he's always been a uh a guy who's stayed in shape again you know when i with the events the circumstances i'm always concerned with cardio and we've seen a lot of these fighters have cardio issues the lionheart situation yeah, stop fighting all that kind of jazz. But to me, he was having cardio issues. Now, I don't know if that's an ongoing thing, something that's a turn. I mean, you know, once you hit your 30s, you got to be concerned about that, especially when it comes to fighting. You know, Matt Brown is up there in age, but he's always pretty much been able to stay in shape. You know, it's a good chance that once it gets out of that first round, I say halfway mark of that second round, Miguel, if he has a plan, you know, could certainly take it to Matt Brown and put him away. So I think the open, the best option for Matt is to soften, you know, stay on the feet, kind of see where Miguel is doing his thing, and then maybe take it to the ground. But, uh, yeah, I don't see why the young man can't win. I'm leaning towards the favorite in that one. Song Yodong. Speaking of favorite, Song Yodong is a one minus 190 favorite against Marlon Vieira. 
That should be a good fight. That should be lights out at featherweight. And again, that's if it continues. Um, so far, I haven't even seen their weigh-ins because everyone's coming in pretty much be at the weight limit in the weight classes that they're choosing to fight in or are just plain able to fight in. All right, so, yeah, don't know what's going on with the fight between Song Yodong and Marlon Vieira. Now, as far as I know, Faber will be in Yodong's corner. He weighed in. <laughs> he stepped on the scale. 153, two pounds under the weight limit, which is fantastic at lightweight. But, you know, yeah, why is he at light? Well, he probably just, you know, that's his normal weight. And stepped on the scale just in case to be an alternate. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not uh, I, I guess maybe if uh, one of the featherweights comes in over. That uh, maybe that was the situation. Maybe if Marlon came in over, he would step in instead of him canceling the fight. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, not sure about that. Yeah, because everything else is featherweight, middleweight, heavyweight for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I, or or maybe he knew something was going on. I, I still don't know what the situation is. But um, but anyway, uh, Song, 32 years old, ranked number 14, 67-inch reach, four, 15 and 4, 6 finishes via strikes, 3 subs, 6 decisions, 7 uh, loss, uh, a loss via strikes, 2 by decision, and uh, 1 DQ, 1 draw, 1 no contest. Four and one, last five, seven fight win streak before going to a draw against Cody Stamen. Uh, four and one in the UFC, never subbed. 100% grappling accuracy, striking is 39%. Marlon Vieira, 27 years old, ranked number 15 in bantamweight, five foot eight, 70 inch, 70.5 inch reach. Black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, 15 and 5, 5 finishes via strikes, 8 submissions, 2 decisions, 1 draw, rest all by decisions, 5 fight, 1 streak, 9 and 4 in the UFC. Ooh, okay. All right to them. Well, of course, we see what Marlon Vera's options are. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Going up against a guy who was never subbed, even though you're a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu, eh, it could be a big risk. Could be a big risk because we've seen some, we've been seeing black belts get knocked out. No matter, and even no matter what the rankings are, whether they're regular, you know, black belt in jujitsu, second degree, third degree, fourth degree. Yeah, some have been, you know, in the case when we saw what happened to Damian Maya. Now, in all fairness, you know, he was going up against another black belt, second degree black belt. So it's like, eh, and a younger, much younger man. So I can see why that started off on the feet, which usually that's how Damien does. He doesn't go for the single leg until like three minutes away after. <laughs> he irks me at times, I swear. But uh, yeah, so um, so don't know what's going on there, but I would assume a lights out affair for the favorite in that matchup in Song Yo Dong. He, if the fight takes place, that's who I would have favored. 
We have Eric Anders versus Christoph Jacko at middleweight. And Eric Anders came in at the middleweight limit of 186. Good for him. He is the underdog in this matchup at a plus 115. Christoph is a minus 145. Okay, so the, uh, you know, I've been hearing nothing but good things about Eric Anders in terms of social media. Nothing but good things. I haven't interacted with him, but I've heard nothing but good things about this young man. 33 years old, 6 feet tall, 75-inch reach, brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, 8 victories by TKO or KO on a two-fight, one streak. Fight. This fight was originally scheduled for April 11th. Okay, so 2-3 and three in the last five, 5-1 five and one in the UFC. Christoph Minus, uh, well, I'll give you that stat, 21-4. and four. Now, when he faced David Branch, apparently he had like a staph infection in both knees because I know a lot of people go back and they watch the previous fights. But, you know, I always say like, you know, we want to make sure we get the entire context of the situ- context of the situation. So, yeah, apparently he had, he had a staph infection in both knees. Which is, that's wild, man. Six foot also, 77 inch reach, brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as well. Six finishes via strikes, one sub, 14 decisions. Two losses via strikes, one sub, one decision. Coming off a two fight, one streak, eight and four. And, you know, this one is probably will be a horrible fight. This fight will probably be absolute trash, okay? No offense to either guy, especially Eric Anders. Please, Eric, don't be mad at me. But, yeah, cardio issues for both, especially Kristoff, uh, who tends to fade during the later rounds. Man, you know. Now, again, you know, there were issues with previous fights. So that's nothing. That's what I'm saying. Take that into consideration. But, I mean, I do think that Kristoff could probably get it done with uh, the Muay Thai that he uses. He's not all that great at it, but he does utilize it. Eric is tough, though. Eric is, Eric is tough, and at middleweight, he, you know, slimmer. Should see more speed, better cardio, I would assume, which is probably the reason for it. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I never count. I won't count Eric out entirely, but I do think that Jitko can, Jitko can get it done. But this might not be a good fight, though. Just fair warning. But, yeah, uh, if you're going to put some money on an underdog, Eric Anders is never a bad bet in most situations. So what I'm going to do is conclude this kind of part one and then do the rest, especially with uh, – because, I mean, we got my favorites – more of my favorites coming up. So I want to break this down separately. Okay, so this is part two of the – Breaking down UFC Fight Night 176, UFC in Jacksonville Part 2, and this is the co-main and main event breakdown. Had to do this separately. It is my girl, Angela Hill. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeed. Oh, 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 oh. Versus Claudia Gadelia, who fought for the UFC Strawweight Championship. And, of course, Overkill is the former Invicta Strawweight Champion. Also, she's the former 
World Kickboxing Association champion. And, I, you know, I tell you, the UFC, I can't speak on anybody else, but they certainly got me. The day I, you know, before I could even think about boycotting or whatever the case may be, the next thing I know, oh, we got War- Michelle Waterson coming up. I'm like, oh, you got me. Oh, I can't avoid seeing Michelle Borderson. Yeah, now they got Alistair up here. And I'm like, oh, man. Because Alistair, you know, say what you want about him. It's kill or be killed for the most part, man. He goes in there and he he's either getting killed or he's taking out somebody. He's picking somebody apart. Yeah, and then seeing like old timers like uh, Arlovsky, you know, possibly for the last time. It's like, wow, man, all these guys I grew up kind of watching him, Fabricio. Oh, it's like a, a pride. <laughs> it's like a pride fest up in here. Um, yeah, and of course, Ange- I, I can't miss an Angela Hill fight. I'm like, man, they got me. Oh, I can't miss Overkill. So in this matchup. Claudia, of course, is coming in at a minus 190 favorite. Angela is an underdog yet again. Alistair Overeem is also an underdog, plus 120. And Walt Harris is a minus 150 in this matchup. Now, the ladies. Now, as far as I don't know what's going on with the rankings, because Amanda Habas was currently at 15, but that was before... UFC Brasilia, and she scored a victory over Randa Marcos. So I would assume she moved up. We also have two that are out of rankings, Alexa Grasso and Cynthia Cavillo. Cynthia scheduled, was scheduled for a matchup against my other baby, Antonina Shevchenko. Don't know if they'll continue with that match later on, but it's a flyweight match. She's out of strawweight. Because I'm saying that because Overkill in February was listed, ranked at number 15. Now, here's my thing about this matchup. You know, Overkill comes in. She's 33 years old, five foot three, 16 and 0 in kickboxing, 12 and 7 in MMA, five finishes via KO, seven decisions, two sub losses, five decision losses, never KO'd. On a current, as you all know, three-fight win streak, 4-1 her last, 5-7-7 in the UFC. Corda Gedalia, 7-4, coming in as a favorite, ranked number 6, 31 years old, 5-4, second-degree black belt, second-degree former world champion black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, 3-2 and two in her last, 5-6-4 in the UFC. Now, here are some factors that I looked at. Hasn't finished, Claudia hasn't finished an opponent via strike since 2015. So, the thing about Claudia, okay, one submission since 2017, hasn't finished anyone via strike since 2013, two and two in her last four by decision. So, she's either won by decision or lost by decision. Seven sub wins. Uh, the rest are all by decisions in MMA. She's never been sub or KO, but of course, there's a first time for everything. She came in at the weight limit for this event at 116. Angela, as always, a consummate professional, 115 
as always, she's ready to go. Now, this is a very and very a very important matchup right here. Very important. So we have a possible rematch between Claudia Gedelia if she wins. I would assume against Carla Esparza. And I'm sure they want to fight each other. You know, I'm sure they want to rematch. Uh, again, I believe Claudia did state that she wanted a rematch against Esparza. So there is a possibility of a what will probably be a very boring match, no offense. Probably be a very boring match between two grapplers. Who knows? They might punch each other's lights out again. Hopefully, that's what will happen. Or Angela could upset that whole thing and just throw everything out of whack. <laughs> this would be huge. This would be crazy because you have Roxy Montefiore, who scored an upset against a up and comer, up and coming talent. Now she's she climbed completely up the chain. Could another old schooler, I like to call them old schoolers, could another old schooler switch spots with uh, a top-tier opponent, especially in the case of Claudia? Top-tier opponent who fought for the championship, who fought the former champion twice, not once, but twice. Could she make her way further up the chain? Now, I'm not sure how this is going to work because Angela... Whether she's not ranked or ranked 15, this is a case of Angela stepping in to take a fight because Claudia was ready to go against Marina Rodriguez. And that fight, of course, didn't fall through because of the pandemic, no doubt. Not to mention that Marina did want more time. She accepted the fight, but initially she was like, nah, I need more time with grappling. Because obviously Claudia is going to go single leg Marina Rodriguez. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Trying to trade punches with a Marina Rodriguez, she would get her head not clean off, okay? She's not going to trade punches for her. It's going to be single leg fest. Claudia probably, you know, be entirely exhausted by the half of the second round and pass out in the third. I mean, I'm so done with her. I don't know what to do with myself, man. So that's the key factor here is just cardio issues. For, for everyone, for the entire main event, the co-main and main event, cardio, especially when you're dealing with heavyweights, cardio. Okay, because we have a Wall Harris coming from a s stressful situation, trying to get back in there. Uh, Alistair Overeem, even though he lost his last fight, he's still fight ready. You know, he's still had a current fight. Unlike Wall Harris, who has had a lot of time off. So that's a big, you know, because we're talking about even though Alistair lost, he was still winning that matchup through his grappling. Angela is coming in, three-fight win streak. A lot of people say, well, she's kind of scheduled for a loss. And not really. <laughs> now she's making adjustments. Now she's winning because she made adjustments. I am concerned about Angela. She's making adjustments and it's in the right way. And she got she's definitely getting her jujitsu together. She almost had a sub win against Jean Jonan. Had her in all kinds of trouble early on. Uh, she did eventually lose by decision. Claudia does not hit the way that Jan does. She doesn't have the volume. She doesn't have the skill set. She doesn't have the power that a young Jonan has. I doubt she can beat her also. She'll probably lose via decision the same way that KK did. But yeah, Overkill almost got... I know what you're thinking. Well, wait, if Overkill can almost sub her, why can't Claudia? Well, it's kind of way after the fact now, don't you think? It's like <laughs> I said, Angela's ever-evolving. Ever-evolving. So...
But yeah, Yan is is good on the ground. She just got caught. You know, and this is an Angela Hill she wasn't expecting to face off against. She wasn't expecting that if it got down to the ground that Angela would start throwing down. Um but anyway, anyway. This yeah, this matchup uh is very important. Very important to both ladies. Uh because uh Claudia at least she'll get another win. But uh, you know, I don't know how far up the chain she's gonna move. Cause again, Carla is right there. And they if she does win, they do need to have that rematch, I believe. Especially with the champion being in China right now. Yeah, because they're both here, and they might as well go ahead. At, you know, it'll be months from now. Uh, but uh, and then because now it's a question of should if Thug Rose wants to fight, I'm sure she probably wants to wait. Doesn't want to, you know. Once you have someone in your family affected by this virus, you you know you you just take it that much more seriously. Yeah, and still, you know, money's money, and just never know. So the question would, and and she would probably want to get revenge on Carla Sparza also. So she might eye that opportunity. You know, who knows? Because I'm I'm trying to go over who's still in the states who can fight right now. Because that's basically what we're looking at right now. We're looking at fighters who are coming out of Florida who are stepping up. A lot of fighters from the Contender Series stepping up because they want the opportunity. You have fighters from who weren't in the UFC who, you know, they have the right manager or whatever coming in. They're allowing them to fight. And as we've seen, we need, they do need fighters who are willing to be alternates. I mean, even Uriah Faber is stepping as an alternate. So, yeah, this is very important in the landscape of fighting, especially for Angela, because this is a good way to get in that top ranking spot for the first time in a while. This is huge. Huge, huge, huge. This is all about planning right here. Angela Hill coming in, understanding that she that the takedown is going to happen. One, has she planned on doing, you know, utilizing takedown defense? If she does end up on her back, will she utilize the jujitsu just as a defense to neutralize Claudia? To stay out of trouble because too many movements. Claudia is a second degree black belt. She will sub Angela in a heartbeat. Now, a lot of people saying decision. I don't see because Claudia, her cardio is a problem. Now, Claudia, her, her cardio was a problem in a regular fight. During these circumstances, I don't know. You know, now she's coming in at the weight limit, so no doubt she'll try and lay on Angela for like five, four, three rounds. So that's really the question of the day. Well, Angela, it's really all on Angela. You know, you say, well, no, it's about the favorite. No, it's really about Angela. Will she understand that that's what Claudia, Claudia wants to do is just to lay on her? Will she have the wherewithal to look out for that left hook from Claudia Gedalia? Will she utilize precision properly and spacing the way that Waterson did in her matchup. You know, I know Angela likes to be exciting. She likes to bang. To me, wear Claudia down first two rounds, then bang. You know, then come come at it. You know, do the overkill thing. To me, that that's something for the third round. But she has to she has to soften Claudia up. She has to wear her down because so, once that cardio goes, it's the you know it's the overkill show. 
So that's really the key factor to me in that matchup. Same with the Alistair Overeem Walt Harris matchup. Overeem is coming in. He utilized grappling. I'm the, Walt is a big dude. He is a big dude. So I don't know about trying to go for a takedown the way he did Jarzinho, but clutch, you know, getting a, you know, get up close to Walt, do the sweep, getting down that way, grind him out, wear him down, avoid the striking. Because the thing about both of these fights is interesting. Both the underdogs, their best bet is to simply just utilize skill, footwork, spacing particularly in that first round that's the main thing particularly in that first round because Walt Harris in particular once it gets out of the first round he tends to actually lose not win some people think that he can get it done in the second round I don't think so because that would mean that Alistair came up with a plan for the first round I do think that Alistair makes the single worse if he makes a just one mistake a small mistake in the first round, he will be asleep. Okay, I, I truly believe that. Walt Harris, 17 and uh, 13 and 7. One no contest. He, of course, is the favorite in this matchup. Rest in power, Anaya Blanchard. The big ticket, all 13 wins have been by KO. He was subbed by Fabricio Verdum. He does have one disqualification, three decision losses each time. It started going toward decision. He lost. So, uh, but he did lose via TKL as well. So he can be fall victim to that. I think Alistair's speed, he can also finish Walt in the first round. Three, one, and one for Walt in his last five, six, six, and one in the UFC. Golden Glove Championship in both Florida and Alabama. Wow. He came in just under the heavyweight limit to 64.5. Overing came in at a very trim 253. Good for him. 45 and 18. My God. 23, 23 wins via striking, 17 subs, five decisions, 14 losses via strikes. Unfortunately, one sub loss, three decisions, one no contest. Hell, Titles, as you should all know, in both MMA and K1 boxing, he is former Strike Force and Dream heavyweight champion. And as we all know, coming off a loss to Jorginho, Rosen struck two and three in his last five. Ten to seven in the UFC, made his de- debut in the UFC by destroying Brock Lesnar. So, yeah, and why is Alistair O'Reilly a top paid fighter? Because he, he told him to pay him. That's why. That's number one. And then number two, because this man, look, three decisions. Three decisions. Like, it's, look, it's kill or be killed. It's take out or be taken out. That's what we all love about Alistair Overeem. And for someone who did, again, you know, with these early uh, positive tests, you know, we've seen where a lot of fighters, it was a tainted supplement. That's been a recurring problem. Apparently, that was a problem even all the way back to Anderson Silva's test, that it was actually a tainted supplement and not him juicing. So that's a recurring problem. But Alistair, whether he didn't, you know, I think he was on the juice, same as for Doom was. But, again, the man looks fantastic. One of the few to get off of steroids and look for We've seen Vito Borafor. He looks like a totally different person not on the juice. 
Okay, him, Fabricio. I mean, Fabricio, I don't trash him too much. He's 42. How else is he supposed to look, you know? But, yeah, Verdun, I mean, uh, Alistair is one of the few that just still looks absolutely fantastic. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. It's always a show with him. Always something unexpected happening between the Francis uh, Nagano fight, the Jarzinho fight. But hopefully he learned to watch that hit, <laughs> okay? You know, um, but really with that situation, it's just making mistakes. You know, that's really what he has to stop doing. He's an excellent fighter, excellent all-around fighter. He just has to watch the mistakes. These heavyweights, for the most part, he's going up against the experienced ones. So that's another problem. Jorginho has experience. Francis does as well. Man fought for the championship. Walt Harris, same thing. These men, you know, you can't make the slightest mistake against these individuals. So, uh, but yeah, I think the underdogs can certainly get this done. Because if they don't, they they have to figure some things out. I know Angela Hill's on a three-fight win streak, and it's not the end of the world. And if she should lose, she'll just probably just fall, you know, right under, you know, she'll be off the rankings, uh, but she'll be right under probably Amanda Habaz. No big deal. But the thing about Angela, the thing about Strawway, even at, even outside of the rankings, someone like her would be right there waiting to get back into the rankings. There's the top, there's top competition that aren't ranked. Like them, Kenzie Dern isn't ranked. Like there's still a lot of tough fighters in that division, whether they're ranked or not. It's a long haul there. <laughs> none of these women, that's the funny thing about this. It's like none of these women, whether they win or lose, has an easy run. None of them. Uh, Carla Esparza either has to rematch with people who want to take revenge out on her like a thug rose. Or she end up fighting, going up against someone who she's never faced before, who's, a, you know, I hate to call the women monsters, but a monster like Jessica Andrade. And God forbid any of them end up facing the champ. I mean, they're going to get mowed down. I'm sorry. So they don't. Yeah, that's that's a tough division. Even heavyweight, that's a tough division. You end up running back into France, either rematching with Francis or it'd be your first time running to Francis like this. is What a nightmare. <laughs> what a nightmare. Like, yeah, man, I won. Yeah. Now you're closer to facing a monster. Like, ah. <laughs> Both divisions is wild. Both divisions are filled with assassins. It's like there's no easy fights. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, it, this is really about the planning of the underdogs coming in with a plan, respecting their opponents, understanding what their strengths are, and knowing how to like Angela can utilize some takedown defense. She can just try to do her best off of her back because it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I know it sounds crazy, but it wouldn't be a bad thing because the key is to wear down Claudia. Make her expend energy, whether it's now, I think Angela should utilize her kickboxing and distance. She has to measure distance, Angela, instead of wanting to fall in love with the stand and bang because she can't do that with everybody in that division. It is same with Alistair. You can't stand and bang in either division that's the irony of this is that you, you would think heavyweight would have no comparison to straw weight it is i know a lot of people say heavyweight sucks and everything but look the fact of the matter is sooner or later you're going to end up running into nagano hopefully not but you do curtis blaze is there 
also, you know, it's John Jones, the talk of him moving up to heavyweight. Stipe is the champion. Like, there's still, you know, issue, you know, there's still some dangerous individuals who may come to the division in the case of John Jones or who are already in that division. And same with strawweight. There's no easy fights for these women, whether they win or not. If Angela wins and Claudia falls down the rankings, which she probably won't fall too far, but still, she still does a good chance that she'll still fight Marina Rodriguez no matter what. That's another thing, too, whether she wins or not, because it's not like she's going to move far up the chain. Nina is said to have, you know, she's a mom now, so I doubt she comes back. But if she does, she talked about moving to flyweight. If she doesn't, that's another problem. A rematch is going to end the same well, same way, if not worse. Tatiana Suarez is still, you know, a question mark. I think she would absolutely demolish Claudia, and I, I would hate to see Overkill go up against her. But I think that's probably a better matchup because, again, way you know, Tatiana has a weakness we've seen in terms of her striking, and Angela has no quit in her. The takedowns won't mean much to her. She's not going to get mauled the way that uh, as far as it was but yeah that's that's who I, th- I think the underdogs can get it done if they don't especially in the case of Alistair because he had he had prep time for this no matter what happens with Angela and Claudia, Claudia, Claudia I think in a sense that that should if it's possible run it back later because it's last minute She's st- you know, uh, to me, some of these last minute matchups, depending on how they go, run it back just to make sure, you know, this is under stressful circumstances, unique circumstances, run some of them back, let them get, unless it was a situation like uh, Vincente and Nico, where they had fought already. That's a different situation. But yeah, um, these first time matchups, you know, last minute, uh, people coming in last minute to fight, let them run it back. So there's not... To me, for Angela Hill fans, it's not the end of the world if she loses. Run it back later, she'll climb back up the rankings. Um, Claudia will definitely fall back down. She'll fall further down the rankings. She's not going anywhere. She still has to try and, if again, she still has to either face Carla. She's certainly not beating Thug Rose. So she'll fall back down the rankings. They'll end up rematching again somehow, some way. Uh, same with Alistair and Walt Harris. You know, and, uh, and again, uh, you know, it's a tough one. It's a tough one watching those two guys bang. But, yeah, those are, um, I, you know, if they can't get it done, they have to stop what they're doing and reevaluate because it's not going to get any easier. Uh, but, yeah, and I certainly understand people, those who pick the favorites. Uh, I really doubt Claudia can get the decision win, but because I just don't think she'll be able to do takedowns repeatedly throughout because she can't win on the striking end of it. She, you know, everyone's thinking of striking. I think sub finish for her. Uh, I definitely could see Walt Harris knocking uh, Alistair out. No, the only thing that would surprise me is a draw. That would surprise me with these individuals is a draw. Anything else wouldn't be a surprise. That is it. Finally finished. Thank you for listening. If you listen to the entire thing, it's greatly appreciated. Take care. This has been MMA by Milliken. <laughs>